The horses are at the gate. And they're off! Welcome to Winning Ponies. With a weekend coming up, this is the spot to be for news, handicapping, and spotlights featuring the winners behind horse racing today. Now, here's your host, John Engelhart, racing's regular guy. All right. Well, thanks for being with us here for another edition of Winning Ponies. I got a first-time starter, and I got a veteran on the guest list for you. Of course, the veteran is none other than Steady Eddie Meyer, the former host of this show, current odds maker and race caller and all-round good guy, the man I admire, Ed Meyer. We're going to uh, go to uh, several different tracks today, and uh, Ed's going to take us to New York, uh, to the Kelso at, at uh, Belmont Park. And I'll tell you what, a very uh, evenly matched group here. It's it's only a field of seven going for the 300000 in the grade two, but it's pretty evenly matched. I'm dying to see who Ed's going to come up. I know who I'm going with, and maybe I'm betting with my heart and not my head. That's nothing new if you've listened to this show. And then down at Laurel Park, you may recall that the uh, – Laurel Fall Festival of Racing, because of the bad weather and the hurricane last week, was moved to this week. So we're going to look at two very different races. We're going to look at a mile and a 16th turf race called the All Along, 150000 up for grabs there. And then a well-established uh, sprint race, and that is the Frank J. DeFrancis Memorial Dash it's a grade three, quarter million dollars up for grabs. I want to see who Steady Eddie likes in that quick one. Also, Ed is uh, hovering around a uh, historic event that could happen at his track tomorrow. And we're going to talk a little bit more about the event and the man that uh, it centers around. Then... Big week in Philly. The city of brotherly love is going to bring you a slew of stakes. I picked four. Of course, headed up by the Pennsylvania Derby. Grade one, million dollars on the line. And again, very bettable race. No huge standout. I know who I like. I'll see who Ed likes. And uh, in the, uh, the Cotillion, which is kind of the ladies' version. It's a mile on the 16th, though. And uh, a Monomoy girl is going to take on all comers. You may recall this Brad Cox trainee was only imperfect one time in her whole life, and that's when she kind of lugged in and lugged out late in the stretch in the goldenrod uh, back when she was a two-year-old and was just beaten by a neck by road to victory. Other than that, Every time she's in a starting gate, it's been the road to victory for her, except for her maiden race, Florent Jaroux, in the saddle. She's odds-on to win the cotillion. Who do we like underneath? Well, you got the uh, super horse from Canada, Wonder Godot, who uh, you know can beat the boys up in Canada, but had a hard time in the grade one Travers last time out, faded to 10th. Johnny V in town to ride for Mark Cassie. And then another one hoping to upset Monomoy Girl is Midnight Bizu. She's had an interesting career. Just came off a strong third place finish as the favorite in the grade one Alabama Stakes. Race before that, she was defeated at Saratoga in the Coaching Club American Oaks. Guess who finished on top? Yep. Monomy girl. Okay, so those are the top two races uh, at Parks, and uh, we're going to be looking at two other stakes from there. And I brought in a first-time starter here on Winning Ponies. 
And I'm really looking forward uh, to talking to this guy. He's one of the longest standing uh, track announcers forever. It's uh, Keith Jones. He's loved horses his whole life. Got in in 1985, working in publicity back then when Garden State reopened. And uh, sooner or later, he ended up in the announcer's booth. We're going to find out about that. And then, of course, he started out at what was then Philadelphia Park in 87. And he's been there ever since. And, uh, you know, he's the host of uh, their Let's Go Racing. He's the face and the voice of the track. That's Keith Jones, who's going to walk us through the races at parks. Well, a lot of different things happening on the national racing scene uh, out of Florida. They announced that the Pegasus card, ever so rich, has added a turf race with similar conditions as the Pegasus. Like the dirt race, uh, it's now, of course, that's in its third year, it's going to Feature a purse, again, this strange how they did it, largely fueled by the owners. So uh, the cost for owners, other than stakeholders, to secure an entry spot and enter a horse in either of these two races will be a half a million dollars. At that rate, $6 million of the $7 million purse for the turf race will be generated by entry fees, and $6 million of the $9 million purse for the dirt race will be generated by entry fees, and uh, the track will uh, fill in the rest. The $9 million purse plan for next year is down, remember this, $16 million it was last year, and $12 million in 2017. I think they found out that no matter how they move the dial, the sheiks can always move it just a little bit further. So why bang yourself on the head? So, uh, you know, the American Graded Stakes Committee has already approved the request by the Stronach Group to convert the Grade 1 Gulfstream Park Turf Handicap to the new Pegasus World Cup. So right out of the box, it will be a Grade 1 race. That, of course, uh, warming us up in January. So uh, aside from the big races at parks, Charlestown's going to have some big races, and Take Charge Paula is going to have to carry the weight. She's carrying 123 pounds for the $300,000 Charlestown Oaks, and uh, boy, nobody's afraid of her. Field of 13 three-year-old fillies are going to be going to post in that race for 300000 Of course, Take Charge Paula is trained by Kieran McLaughlin. Uh, she's only had uh, two off-the-board uh, finishes uh, this year. That coming in some big races, the Kentucky Oaks, uh, three starts back, was one of them. But uh, since the Oaks, she's uh, finished third in the Jersey Girls Stakes, uh, won the victory ride. That's a grade three, both at Belmont. And uh, she started off the, this season with the uh, forward Gale Stakes at Gulfstream. So uh, she's going to have to carry the weight, but we'll see if she can. It is Take Charge Paula in the Charlestown Oaks. Looks like she is the one to beat. And uh, so that now that's a grade three, by the way. Now, we're going to talk a little bit later about the Battle of Midway. He was uh, making a, a comeback after he uh, failed to uh, perform, shall we say, properly in the uh, stud barn. So he's back to training, but he comes into the race as a millionaire. I want to see who uh, who Ed likes, likes in that one. Uh, <clears throat> I don't know if you know uh, owner Larry Best, well, Instagram, who's one of the top two-year-olds in the country, has been taken out of racing and not because he's injured. 
just Larry Best says uh, he wants to be patient and hold him for his three-year-old season. His goal is the, the run for the Roses. The Instagram is undefeated. Uh, but he's also got another nice uh, two-year-old on the grounds. And, of course, they'd have to compete against uh, one another. But, uh, you know, he's pulled him out. I don't think Jerry Hollendorfer quite agreed with it because he had him all wound up and ready to go. And uh, so he, he, he last worked on September 10th. And uh, we won't see him until next season. Okay, uh, Irad Ortiz, congratulations to you. New York-based rider has now earned 2,000 wins, and that happened in a pretty short amount of time. I'm telling you what, this kid might break all kinds of records as long as he stays healthy. Okay, let's take a look at the races we looked at last week. Of course, we went up to Woodbine for those, and uh, starting off, it was the Rico Woodbine Mile, and uh this was a, a pretty interesting race from a handicapping uh, point of view, uh, but the winner was Oscar Performance, remember? Did not finish in the Arlington Million, was vanned off, but since then, Flash Bullet works for Brian Lynch, and Oscar Performance went wire to wire. Now, he is a son of Kitten's Joy. Big surprise in a turf race in Canada, isn't it? In the second s- spot, uh, it was uh, Mr. Haberkamp at 8-1, to one. and in the third spot was the 9, Stormy Antarctic. Don't know what happened to Lord Glitters. Uh, he was last most of the way and was uh, one of the top picks in there. Okay, after that, at Woodbine, because they had a rich pick 4, pick 5, it was the Canadian, and the horse in here was Starship Jubilee, sent away at 11-1. to one. Uh, This horse has always been right there, uh, came into this race off an optional claimer win, uh, loves Woodbine, now has four wins from eight starts at Woodbine. And uh, Starship Jubilee is a daughter of Indy Wind, horse I happened to see today when I was passing out catalogs in Ohio. Uh, Indy Wind, now an Ohio Stallion. And in case you're looking for any of them, I've got some in my sale October 7th. Give me a ring and I'll tell you more about it. Uh, in, in the second spot was New Money Honey, who was at 9-5. to five, And in third was Inflexibility. A very popular horse at the windows. Then we moved up to the bold venture grade three going six and a half furlongs. Another wire to wire performance up at Woodbine. This time it was Yorkton getting the job done. That's right. Yorkton. Wait a second. Where was Pink Lloyd? Unbelievable. Pink Lloyd with 16 of 19 career victories finishes off the board. He busted through the gate early, was very fractious, uh, threw Enrico Da Silva to the ground. He dusted himself off and got up. And uh, then, uh, what can I say? He he got caught. He was there. He got caught, finished off the board. So uh, put the name Yorkton down as the winner of the bold venture. And in the second spot was Sweet Little Man in a photo over battle in Seattle. And we'll close it out with the Northern Dancer Turf. Wow, this closed out some of the big horizontal uh, bets. The winner was 
Number four, Johnny Bear, who won the race last year and was uh, sent away at uh, pretty decent odds. How about this? 16 to 1. Rated well, dropped to the rail, got the job done. In the second spot was one of the favorites, Mechtal. And third at 34 to 1 was English Illusion. And uh, what can I say? On the front end, it was... uh, Hawkbill and Tizza Slam, who just burned each other up and had nothing left for the stretch. How about this? A uh, $1 pick four paid $8,307. The pick five, hope you had it, $41,535. All right, that's a look at the races that we examined north of the border. Now we're going to take a little bit of a break. And when I said we're going to come back to uh, probably the most popular uh guest ever on this show none other than the man i admire that's right he's admire and i'm john engelhart and you are listening to winning ponies streaming live the leader in internet talk radio voiceamerica.com What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. Pick, bet, and cheer on live racing from Woodbine and Mohawk Park. Thoroughbred and harness action. The wagers are just the beginning. Watch award-winning broadcasts covering both breeds. Incredible battles contested over the most unique grass course in North America. Experience the full fields with over 130 thoroughbred and 160 live harness days. Get access to free handicapping material and join the ranks of Woodbine and Mohawk Park players from all over the globe. For more information, visit woodbine.com. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in your brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, and back with the most requested guest here on Winning Ponies. You know him, you love him, you used to listen to him sitting in this seat with this microphone. He is Ed Meyer. Steady Eddie, how you doing? Good evening, John. How's it going? Not bad, not bad. As I look over this glory of vista that we call America, I have to think that things are pretty well. The heat wave's about to break. Fall and autumn is upon us. I believe Saturday is the first day of the fall season, and I'm very much looking forward to that after this torrid summer. How did it affect racing uh, at your track there in Cincinnati? You know, we kind of weathered through it. I mean, there was... There's plenty of hoses out. 
where once upon a time there used to be a hose and a barrel at a lot of the older <laughs> tracks. There's hoses out where people can, if they want, if they want to refresh before they go in and saddle or right afterwards. We have uh, we have watering barrels, hoses, all available, and everybody can uh, go out there and get a good uh, good wash down and cool off with Mother Nature. No one pulled up. There was not a problem. There was even the riders weren't complaining because they got to come into an ice cold jocks room and they were finished. Uh, you know what? We're at the we're at the tail end of summer, as you said. So, you know, we just had to had to man it up for a couple more days. But uh, it didn't. It really. It was kind of pleasant, even though it was near ninety. Well, I, I I know the Cincinnati area has been very hot, but you in particular, there at Belterra, have one hot jock who's about to enter a whole new plateau in the racing game. The one, the only, Scootin' Boot, Perry Utes. I got a feeling you're going to witness history tomorrow, Ed. You know, John, I, I, I can't agree with you more. You know, watching Perry ride for the for the many years, I'm not going to date either he or I, 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 for watching him ride for the many years, it's been a true pleasure. It's Every rider tries their hardest. Perry has this desire to win that is unparalleled. It's at that rarefied air level that, you know, he, he almost takes it personal, only upon himself. He never claims a foul. He never goes to the, goes to the clerk of scales or the judges to, uh, to, uh, to lodge a complaint. He takes it the way it is. He's the first guy out of the room. John, this man is one of a kind in, in racing. I've never seen anything like it. You've had the, the wonderful uh, career uh, spanning at River Downs, and you watched him from a young man on, and you know every single milestone you were there to celebrate, promote, and, and bring it to life in racing. I think you're right. He is one away from 7,000. He'll become the ninth all-time leading rider to reach this plateau. Today, he was three for eight races. We had eight live races, and he won three of those. And in the last race, he looked like he could win that one as well. Well, it'll be great. And uh, I know you've been a great promoter of him, and you've always kept the, shall I say, the track on track to understand the importance of his milestones on a on a national basis, even though uh, – you know, he's uh, ridden on uh, the smaller circuit. It does not dim- dis- diminish the fact that he- that he's achieved that goal, and it's it's unbelievable. I love the guy, and it's been neat watching him literally for decades. So I hope you guys put on a good show when he finally gets it, because I know he's going to. Well, the, the two things, right, just to answer that real quick, I learned from somebody that cared about the game. They they taught me more than I taught them, you know, uh, it, Handicapping's fun. It's it's a part of the game that we all we all seek to you know, take to the next level. But actually understanding what the game means on a, on a higher level, I learned from this my little Irish friend at River Downs many moons ago, and I watched him prior to that. And so I, I learned from somebody that really cared about racing, and we need to nurture and, and carry it on. Can he get it done? You better believe it. It's going to happen tomorrow. I actually predicted that he he would get it tomorrow, and there was a couple of naysayers, but you know what? I think they're believers now. When they watch this 64-year-old man ride like he's 21, Perry Utes is a real gift to racing. Absolutely. Well, I'll be looking for that in the national news. I, I pray that he gets his due because he deserves it. He really does. Well, uh, our listeners here on Winning Ponies, Ed, they deserve 
some winners. And that's why I have you on as much as I do, because you always have a good night. And uh, we're going to go to Laurel Park. But before we go to Laurel for their Fall Festival of Racing, um, let's go to New York. As you know, we've moved uh, downstate again. We're at Belmont Park for the big races. Uh, The Kelso Handicap, a grade two, going a flat mile, which of course is the configuration of a six furlong race for the average racetrack. Belmont is so big. And uh, it's a very, very evenly matched group. I know you're an odds maker, and it looks like their odds maker uh, struggled with this. Can you believe that there is only one horse that is even 10 to 1 and no one above that? That tells me this is a pretty even field. It really does. Uh, David David Aragona actually does their morning line, and he worked for Timeform U.S. and and prior to that, it was just Timeform. He does a remarkable job. I I, I go back and I'll add it up in my head when I'm looking at the races. It's like wow, he he's hitting. I mean, just right on target. John, in here, there's there's a two to one favorite that he made, but you know what? I in these he's being ridden by one of my favorite riders, that's Flavian Pratt. But I'm going to do a little bit of seeking, and and I found an angle here that I really kind of like, and it's number two timeline, eight to one with Javier Castellano aboard for trainer Chad Brown. These guys are winning thirty percent as a team. This is a son of Hardspun who's three for three in the money at Belmont, and as you alluded to, it is a wide sweeping stretch in in the big turns he cuts back from a mile and an eighth in the kelso and fits here at a square price if you get anywhere near eight to one you are really getting some value he's two for two in the money at the distance and will be stalking up close and ever since he was actually the favorite in the haskell in 2017 against gervin He's kind of actually been showing some promise here. I went back and I took a look at it. I call this a knocking on the door type runner, and a guy like Javier Castellano can answer it pretty quick, especially for a trainer like Chad Brown. If I get anywhere near 8-1, to one, John, look out. Both hands, they're going to be filled with money. I'll tell you what, since coming down from Saratoga, Castellano absolutely on fire. He's winning at a 36% clip. And you Incredible. know the talent that's in yeah the talent that's in that jack room at Belmont Park. Well, I'm going to go back to uh, a horse as you said is listed to one. Uh, you know, it wouldn't be the first time I called a chalk eater, but um, nonetheless, uh, just to paint the story for these people, Battle Midway. You may remember him uh, last year. Uh, he just missed in the Santa Anita Derby to Gormley. Came back, finished third in a race called the Kentucky Derby. Then went back to uh, the West Coast. Uh, won the Grade Three. Affirmed. Uh, won the hundred thousand dollars shared belief. Then won the big one at 14 to 1, the Breeders' Cup Dirt Mile. Boy, when you're a good miler, you're a good stud. <clears throat> Not in this case. <laughs> the, the, the Battle of Midway had a battle with the ladies, and I think he got five of 60 pregnant, and that's not going to be real marketable in this day and age, no. especially for the price he was standing for. So they said, well, maybe he'll mellow out as a much more mature man, but right now he's worth more on the racetrack. He's already won $1.2 million. He stumbled in his first start, the grade two Pat O'Brien, Flavin Pratt's on him. I'm, I'm going to stick with Battle of Midway. I think he can uh, sit just off a pace that may well be contested uh, by, by timeline and uh, pattern recognition, but uh 
it's going to be an interesting race. And as you know, we've, we've got time limitations, but you, you can make a case for almost every horse in this race when the longest horse oh, in the yeah. field is, is 10 to 1. So uh, Laurel Park got uh, rained out by the, uh, the hurricane and uh, moved to this week. From what I see, it's supposed to be fairly decent weather in that part of the country. So uh, hopefully we'll get on the turf uh, for the all along. And uh, it drew a sizable field, a full field of 12 uh, going in here. And uh, I had a hard time separating. I went to a couple different uh, trainer angles in here, and they all came out on pretty much long shot horses uh you know on the outside there sophia is an angel uh this bruno tessorori well, when he gets a chance to rest a horse he comes back and wins at 32 percent of the time now that is 20 to 1 then at 12 to 1 you got broken bridle uh, uh gary capuano uh when he goes from a sprint to a route wins 27 percent of the time with a good return on investment the horse that caught my eye though ed is Equise, if I'm saying that, I don't know. You're a track announcer, you'll know. Grand motion making a blinkers on move kind of impresses me. If 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 Grand Motion decides he's gonna do something different or she can bet he tried it in the mornings. And uh, I'm gonna go with the British bread at eight to one equise or whatever the heck you want to call it at. You know what we're gonna call it? A really good price. And the blinkers on motion wins eighteen percent on that clip. So I I can't say I don't like it, and I'm a big fan of Trevor McCarthy's. But where I did land was on lift up at five to one. Been off for fifty five days. Comes out of the Grade Three Matchmaker at Monmouth and ran kind of just a just an average race. Ran fifth that day. You know, I'm not going to dismiss it. But prior to that, bang bang, two straight wins. One of those was over Laurel a little ways back. And so, okay, you like the surface. Michael Dickinson is the trainer. The mad genius has this daughter of Ghost Zapper. John, they just polished off with a really nice uh, turf bullet work. Uh, they've been sparkling in the morning. Her damn dynamic cat has eight starters, seven wins, four stakes wins, and the best part, five turf wins. I love the price. I love Mario Pino, but please don't tell Perry Utes that because he's right behind him in the standings. But I like lift up and at five to one, count me in. I will. You make great points on that horse for sure. Uh, let's move on to a, a very established race uh, at Laurel, and that's the Frank J. DeFrancis Memorial Dash. Uh, I, I believe that you know this horse was held. This race was held in high esteem. Then somewhere about ten years ago, took a little bit of a dip. I don't know. Was not drawing horses to it, and actually, I think it was ungraded for a year or two. It's at least back in the graded rankings now as a Grade Three. Uh, they're putting up a quarter million dollars and uh you know it's uh it drew together a tough field of nine that that i had a hard time uh separating and uh i kind of landed back on switzerland a horse that finished fifth in his last start but i just think ed he went too fast i mean up at saratoga in a grade one if you're setting the pace going 21 and 3 44 and 1 56 and 1 i I just think that's too fast against the competition you're going to meet up there oh i agree i i I agree i i at first at first flinch i really wanted to follow you right to the windows john but then I dug a little deeper, and I came out with Louisville at 5-1. to one. Arnoldo Boca Chica is in the irons for Jeff Ronco. Ronco's winning 27% of the time, 6-for-6 six six in the money at Laurel, 7-for-7 seven seven in the money at the distance. 
So if you're a numbers fan, you got to love that. Here's one of my favorite angles. Turning back from seven furlongs back to six for the sprint has just got me well lit up here. Arnaldo Boca Chica is winning 19% of the time. Of the last four works in August at Charlestown, three of which are bullets, and the one prior to the last was sparkling, 35-4 and four for three furlongs. It was the third best of 24. John, I really think this Maryland bread has something good, and you know, the bullet works. Uh, the Maryland bread angle loves the it, he's in the money at Laurel. Loves going the distance, drawing a great spot with the two hole. I don't think you're getting a bad piece of uh, bargain here at five to one. Well, steady. I appreciate your time always, and uh, I always like your insight to the races. And now I got an exact in all those races—the one you like and the one I like. That's pretty good. Well, listen, hey, have a great time down there in Cincinnati, and uh, you know, uh, I I I can't attend it in person, though I'd love to do it, but. Uh, Give Scoot and Boot my best when you see him. Uh, I think you're going to see a little chunk of racing history tomorrow, Ed. I think so, and I'll do all of the above, and I know that he'll be glad just to hear your name, but I'm really going to enjoy listening to your next guest because, uh, you know, truth be told, I spent a lot of Mondays and Tuesdays watching that signal and, and quite enjoy it. All right. I'll be sure to say hello for you, Ed Meyer. <laughs> Thanks for being on the show. Thanks so much, John. Have a great night. All right. Take care. All right. We've been listening with Ed Meyer. We're going to take a little bit of a break, and we come back. We're going to go racing at Parks Racing. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com And they're off! What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with WinningPonies.com The home of the easy win form The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races Don't worry, let WinningPonies.com make some money for you Pick, bet, and cheer on live racing from Woodbine and Mohawk Park. Thoroughbred and harness action. The wagers are just the beginning. Watch award-winning broadcasts covering both breeds. Incredible battles contested over the most unique grass course in North America. Experience the full fields with over 130 thoroughbred and 160 live harness days. Get access to free handicapping material and join the ranks of Woodbine and Mohawk Park players from all over the globe. For more information, visit woodbine.com. Follow the Voice America Talk Radio Network on Twitter. We're at Voice America TRN. You'll get the latest fix on what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and general happenings that you should know about at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Now you don't have to miss anything when you're away from your home or office. Just go to twitter.com forward slash Voice America TRN or follow along with us at Voice America TRN, the Voice America Talk Radio Network. We're on the cutting edge of social media. Can you keep up? Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com
You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, and with me, a gentleman I've been looking forward to getting on uh, this show for a couple of years, Keith Jones. Uh, if you've ever listened to a race call in uh, North Jersey or uh, the Philadelphia area, most likely uh, you heard uh, the voice of Keith Jones. He's been a lover of horse racing. He kind of, we walked some similar paths there with uh, some PR duties, uh, working our way up to the press box and uh, eventually an announcer's position while I only filled in for a few races when somebody got stuck on an elevator or something. Uh, he's, he's, been, uh, call, he's been calling uh, uh, more races than most guys in North America. I believe he's the third longest tenured announcer in, in the country. And uh, so with no further ado, I want to say hello to Keith Jones. John, it's a pleasure to have. Uh, it's a pleasure to be with you tonight. Thank you very much. It is. Now, listen. I love when I get a new guest to find out their baby steps into racing and eventually into a position in racing. Can you take us along for your career, both uh, personally and professionally? Well, um, I started my first job in racing was at Garden State Park in 1985 when they rebuilt Garden State in, in Cherry Hill, Jersey. Um, and uh, I worked in the publicity office. At the, my, that was my first duty. Um, there, were, uh, there was a group of three guys that worked together. We programmed and ran the, we called it the matrix board. It was that big yes. TV screen in the infield. We ran that every night. Um, and uh, there were two announcers on staff. The, the primary announcer was Ralph Sirocco. Yep, I know uh, Ralph. And the, well, yep, and the uh, backup announcer was Vic Stauffer. Um, Vic, after a couple of months, uh, was hired full-time in, in Detroit. So he left, and Ralph was left without an assistant. Um, ever since I'd been a little kid, I had wanted to be an announcer, you know, thinking back then it would be baseball or football or basketball or something like that. I'd never in, in a million years would have thought it'd be horse racing. So I took my binoculars and my tape recorder out onto the roof of the building at Garden State where nobody could hear me. And just to see if I could do it. And after I would, I would, uh, you know, slip out a couple times a night and then I'd come back into the little matrix room there and, and queue up my, um, my tape recorder to the break. And when the replay would come on, we would turn Ralph down. And when the gate would open, I would hit the, the play button and we would listen to my call over the, as we'd watch the replay. Um, after a couple weeks of doing that, my boss, uh, his name was Steve Nagler. You might even know that name. Yes, I do. Um, he, he coerced me, I should say, into playing my tapes in the office, uh, that night. There were probably a dozen people there, John. And, you know, in, in, in all honesty, I mean, back then I was, I was, you know, raw. I didn't, I mean, the tapes were probably terrible, but I guess they weren't too terrible, because he took the tape recorder around the, uh, to, around the corner to the office of the president, Mr. Quigley, Bob Quigley, and uh, after about 10 minutes, came back and said, uh, we want you to keep practicing. And um, so I, uh, now under the, the guide, guidance of the, the people I was actually working with, it was out in the open, so I, I started practicing more. And after about maybe, maybe a month, I would say, 
Um, after listening to my tapes every couple nights, they said, uh, we're going to let you do a real one. And, um, John, that I'll, I'll never forget that night because I've never been so nervous in my life. Uh, it was six horses going a mile, so they started right in front of me. Um, my ha- I was so nervous. My hands were shaking. I couldn't hold the binocular still. Um, halfway up the back stretch, my legs started to shake, and I've, I've never <laughs> experienced that before or after. And if the horses hadn't spread out, um, I'm not sure I could have gotten them around the track because I couldn't, I couldn't see a, a darn thing because I was shaking so bad. But they spread out. Um, Blue Bella came home in front, and that was my first race call, and that, I guess the rest is history. Uh, that, that, that's great. I mean, I've worked around some outstanding announcers. I mean, uh, for many years, uh, let's see, at one period I was working down at the fairgrounds, uh, Tony Bentley was calling down there. Yeah. Well, Tony fo- found out that I used to do the post parades and some of the other things for Kevin Gomer up at River Downs. That was the worst mistake of my life because every day Tony didn't get there till they were loading in the gate for the first race. I never knew if I was going to have to call it or not. You know, I'd give the changes. I'd give the jocks out. Took me a little while to learn those Cajun names, I'll tell you that. But uh, all of a sudden he'd come trouncing in, you know, with 30 seconds to post, pick up the blinkers and I mean, the binoculars and say hey what'd you do last night and boom he just called the next race <laughs> he was a there character tony he was great and then i remember one time uh jim cott the baseball player uh yeah. he was a big horse fan and he was going to be in town playing the cincinnati reds and he came up the press box we hey, you know we all met him and stuff he goes man i'd love to call a race and we said well you're in town for three days and you don't play till seven o'clock tomorrow you want to come up and he said yeah i'd love to come up so he came up and he had his program all color-coded and everything and we gave him like a six horse field going long without it be easy and and yep. they're off and his big foot steps on the mic cord and pulls it out of the microphone <laughs> and oh, it goes, no. yeah it goes dead silent and and uh, so anyhow, the race is over. He goes, oh, I'm so sorry. We said, well, do you want to call the next? Now he's not rehearsed. You know, he's got nothing color coded. And he called the next race and he did a darn good job. He really did. He was he was an excellent, uh, you know, a guy to be around and a fun guy. But it, it's surprising how many people always say, oh, I'd love to call a race. But it's also surprising, as you know. All you got to, you know, you can call a thousand races great and then screw up once and you're the worst announcer in America. And, that's it. That's uh, the one they remember. That's the one they remember. Yep. And, and you're if only I'm as good as the down, last one you called. It doesn't matter if it's a beaten fives or a stake race. You're only as good as the last race you did. Yeah, and and I, I you know I'm an announcer fan. So if I'm in the grandstand and I hear some mm-mm say something about my announcer, I go, Hey, would you like to call a race? Oh, yeah. no, 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 no. I couldn't do that. I'm like, well, uh, why do you think it's so easy for this guy to do it, you know? And on the rare occasion yeah, where it's... somebody took it up on me, about two furlongs in, they'd turn around and hand the microphone to the announcer and walk out the booth. Yeah. <laughs> no, it, 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 unless you, there, it's, uh, I wish I could have something that was connected to my brain that could read my thoughts while I was in the midst of doing it. Because your, your, your brain is, is working so fast. And it's carrying on two, three, four different trains of thought all at the same time. And there, there's so much that you have to assimilate and, and do in, in just a blink. It really, I, I wish I could go back and read it out, um, you know, after it was done. Because it really, it's a, your, your brain is an amazing thing and it, 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 it works hard in, in the minute and a half that you're doing it. Well, listen, I've got to have you on 
just as a guest to talk about race calling stories, because I'm sure both of us have plenty of them. You know, I've been stuck a few times. Like I said, Kevin Gomer got stuck in the elevator one time and I got, you know, boom, you know, stuck into doing it. But I I digress. You're having such a huge day uh, down at Parks uh, this weekend that uh, I'm going to pass on my commercial break and go right into the races because I'm sure you've been uh, sleeping with the racing form under your pillow and you got a good idea who's going and uh, the, the Pennsylvania Derby. Okay, we're talking grade one, mile and an eighth. Uh, and uh, this is going to go off about 545, I want our listeners to know. But the actions at Parks is going to start way early in the day with a slew of good races. So, uh, you know, if you're a, f- a fan of the, uh, the the pick threes and uh, pick fours, it's going to be a great card for you. But uh, I, I'll tell you what, this, this Pennsylvania Derby uh, – it, it, it's a good one. I can find several different angles in here. Now, uh, of course, uh, this, the tepid favorite at five to two is McKenzie. But man, if you ever wanted to have a, a horse with hard luck, you'd have to put a ring around him. But he is coming into this race, although it's been a long time since he started uh, off uh, a game effort in the San Felipe where he scored his uh, highest buyer at 101. He was the beneficiary of one disqualification. He got taken down another one that I thought was bogus where they move Bolt Oro up. No right. knock on Bolt Oro, but I really thought there wasn't enough there to take him down. He's coming in. He's been established your, your morning line favorite. Uh, then you got Axelrod, who's really starting to peak uh, into his career. Uh, Mr. Freeze could be any kind, especially at 12 to 1. This horse has never been worse than second and won the West Virginia Derby by eight. And then you've got a horse that's uh, close to my heart. Um, I know his exercise rider rather well, and that's Hoffberg and uh, a son of Tappet and, you know, Bill Mott. Hall of Fame. This horse is third in the Belmont. Then it comes back. It wins the uh, the, the, the $97,000 curling at Saratoga, but didn't come back for the big race. I think he had a little hitch in his get-along as far as his training was concerned. And Bill Mott making a major change going to blinkers on. That's got to give you a second look at Hofburg. So I've already named a third of the field. Enlighten <laughs> me, uh, <laughs> if you would, Keith, on, on the horses that stand out to you. Um. Boy, I mean, it's, uh, horses that stand out. I, I just, like you just said, I think there's a, a lot of different angles that you can talk about in the race. Um, and you, you started your discussion with McKenzie. Um, I mean, before Justifier was ever on the radar, um, as far as Bob Baffert was concerned, the, the Kentucky Derby was all about McKenzie. Um, and he was extremely confident that he had the, the Kentucky Derby winner in his barn. He's, he's always been extremely high on this horse. Um, and, you know, in terms of the, the time off, I mean, I, I understand that he hasn't raced since, since March, but if there's anybody in the world that, uh, that that's not going to matter to, it, it's Bob. Um, and the, the horse has had that many more months to, to grow, mature, um, he's, he's already shown the kind of ability that he'd had really, really pretty much every single time he's been on the racetrack. Um, and he's, he's looked great since he's come to the track. We, I went out and saw him gallop this morning. He looks terrific. Um, he got uh, money Mike on board. Um, I mean, he's, he's gotta be considered the horse to beat. Um, now you mentioned Axelrod. If you go back and look at, I was very impressed with his victory in the Smarty Jones stakes. If you go back and look at the video, um, Bravo around the far turn, as they're coming to the quarter pole, 
he is stuck in behind. There's three horses right in front of him, and he's stuck behind them. And uh, a horse named Wait For It actually gets the jump on him on the outside and and goes around him and basically makes it four horses across the track. He, he, he kind of blind switches them, at which point Bravo has no choice but to yank him out. And I mean, he, he, he yanks him out into the clear to get him five wide, and I ho- thought the horse showed a great deal of athleticism, first of all, to go from where he was to where he ended up. And when Bravo does straighten him out five wide, he just shoots past the four horses in front of him in no time at all. It was a very impressive, uh, as I mentioned, athletic move to get out from where he was to move to the middle of the racetrack and then get into his stride and, and just go right past those horses like they were hardly stand, like they were standing still. It was a tremendous move. Um, Hofberg, you mentioned, uh, you, you put the blinkers on. I, I think that's, uh, you know, we'd all have to assume he wants to keep them closer. Uh, with that inside draw, John, I think that's, uh, I think that's a huge plus if he's going to be able to keep him somewhere up closer to the pace and not have to make up so much ground at the end. Um, I, the horse is obviously talented. Bill has thought a great deal of him from the very beginning. He's the, the kind of trainer, as we all know, doesn't send a horse to a grade one race in the third race of his career. Um, I, I think he could be extremely dangerous. You, you didn't even mention um, instilled regard, who I think deserves a second look at a pretty, I mean, he's 15 to one in the morning line. Back as a two-year-old, he was head and head with McKenzie um, um, in the uh, in the Futurity at uh, at Los Alamitos, and then he. I mean, that's a pretty darn good fourth uh, in the Kentucky Derby in his last start. Now he's changed bars to Chad Brown, who you know you don't have to you don't have to say anything more about Chad Brown. Um, uh, that that's another interesting angle, interesting horse to take a look at. It's still regard. It is. And, you know, again, because it's such, I also didn't get to mention core beliefs. I was there uh, when uh, he just nosed out Lone Sailor and a fast closing uh, trigger warning uh, in the Ohio Derby. I was right there on track for that trigger warning. That day was 86 to 1 and actually had the lead turning for home. And uh, if, if you could put a line through his Travers, uh, this horse could be dangerous. And I know Mott's in the Hall of Fame, but an old timer used to taught me a uh, handicapping angle. Keith, and that was like, if a trainer's making an equipment change, go back and see if the horse has had a recent work and what he did in that work. And I love seeing a bullet work coming into a race with an equipment change because that tells me the trainer tried that in the morning. And he comes well, in they, off it, a, it, a bullet it's work. For both. I mean, the trigger warning is going to take the blinkers off. Right, right. So, but I mean, it, it's yeah, the yeah. angle, you know, that an old timer taught me and uh, it could work either way. I'm just saying, if you're making trifectas, I, I wouldn't leave trigger warning off. You don't know Mike Roan. I've known him for over a decade on a personal level. And this guy's a pretty sharp trainer. He gets up in the morning, he gallops all of his own horses. So he knows them very well. Uh, he's bringing in right. a, a local Ohio jack to ride and Erwin Rosendo. But I'm just saying for folks that, that are looking for a race where maybe they can cash a great try or super it's the pennsylvania derby oh there there's uh, i i can't agree with you more um you go back to core beliefs for just a minute um you said you were right there for the ohio derby i have to say and you know you if you sometimes you criticize a horse and you end up sticking your your foot in your mouth um i mean he was he was full out to beat lone sailor and lone sailor has had numerous opportunities to close out races and win 
and and has never been able to get it done. Um, and and core beliefs had to be. And I really that was, that was not a good trip in the Ohio Derby. I always wide most of the way and, and ran a heck of a race and was uh, uh, you know as game as could be. Uh, but to be full out to beat Lone Sailor. Um, my my feelings on core beliefs are pretty lukewarm at this point, I'd have to say. Right. But again, I'm looking at the price. Uh, you know, Joe Talamo coming in, he rode him in the Ohio Derby. Right. This is a horse that ran third to a horse by the name of Justify in the Santa Anita Derby. So, I mean, uh, to put him underneath whoever the top two you like are, uh, I wouldn't call right. you crazy. I, I, I'm telling you, it, the, the, the Pennsylvania Derby is going to be a great one. We're talking with Keith Jones, uh, a man of all things there at Parks Racing, but you may know him best as The Voice. Well, prior to that, we're going to have a race that has uh, probably three, probably the top three-year-old filly, but three of the top three-year-old fillies in training right now in Midnight Bizu. Wonder Godot, and drum roll, please, Monomoy Girl. Uh, it's, it's an outstanding field. Um, I would, as I, look, as I look over the field, John, I think um, there's a number of horses that are, that are overmatched here. Um, I, you know, I don't, uh, I don't expect Norma's Charm, who is, uh, uh, I mean, Uriah St. Louis is a, is a great guy, he just, um, look at her PPs. How often do you see a horse that's 34, 88, 76, 47? Right. <laughs> I mean, he, it, it doesn't matter to Uriah where he puts his horses, but I think she's overmatched. I think Jump Ruler is overmatched. I think the outside horse, Dixie Serenade, who's done a great job for trainer Ed Coletti, I'm not sure she can run with these. Um, I think Chocolate Martini, while she's done you know, reasonably well for Tommy Amos. I think she's going to have to step up her game if she's going to stay with uh, Monomore Girl, Wonder Gadot, and Obisto. And you didn't mention separation of powers, so I think when you no. talk about angles, uh, presents a very interesting angle in this race. As far as uh, stretching out from six and a half and seven to Correct. around the 16th? Yes. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And I mean, she's, she's shown what kind, I mean, she's a multiple grade. She won a grade one race as a two-year-old. She's won a grade one race as a three-year-old, I, I understand it's not going two turns yet, but she certainly is a, is a quality filly, and I don't think Chad is here just to, uh, to take part. No, no, and you know, again, I was I was hitting the headliners, but the, the, there's no I reason. You. I I certainly wouldn't want separation of powers wearing my silks going to post. So uh, I agree with you, but I would say Key and Monomoy Girl over those uh, other three might be a, a a cheap and easy way to go. And it certainly, uh, I got a feeling a Monomoy Girl uh, in your pick threes and pick fours is going to draw a lot of action. Well, the race previous. To that, and we are uh, speaking with uh, Keith Jones from uh, Parks Racing, is going to be the Grade Three Gallant Bob. Don't blink, you're going to miss it. Six furlongs. Uh, Ferenz Fire seems to be getting the action from the handicapper and your odds maker. Uh, I believe that Engage will probably be uh, scratch Keith from what I heard. And uh, so uh, from there, it leaves you with who? Um. You uh, now, I I heard today a noble commander's probably not going to run, um, and you've I did not hear about engage. You think engage is, is coming out? I forget who told me that. I hope not. Um, I, I hope not too, because that uh, I, I mean you, you got a horse that's been first or second in eight of his starts. So um, I mean he he absolutely figures in the mix. But um, 
I'm the one, I mean, Forensi Fire is, is almost certainly going to be the favorite in the race. The thing that bothers me about the Forensi Fire in this is the distance. I'm not sure six furlongs is his best distance. Um, he's not a front-running type of horse. He, he draws the outside gate. Now, two scratches would help him uh, in the fact that uh, if, if, the, if it was a field of 10, I was concerned that um, he would have trouble not being wide on the far turn, breaking from the 10 hole and being a late runner because he's not going to be able to, to, to clear horses in the early part of the race with the, you know some early foot. Um, uh, and again, I'm not sure six furlongs is his best distance. Um, but there's some interesting, I'm, I'm interested in, um, in Navarro's horse, War Giant. Um, uh, the, the two horse who has, who have the best speed on the inside forced is an interesting horse to take a look at. And I also have some interest in the three horse, seven trumpets from the, the Romans bar. All right, my producer's telling me I'm down to two minutes to post here, two Keith minutes. Jones. Two minutes. Two minutes to post, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, the PA Derby champion stakes, mile on the 16th, $150,000 on the line. Another pretty uh, uh, tough field to, to separate, though Collected's probably going to collect most of the money at the windows. Well, I've also understood that uh, most of the guys, most of the local guys who were entering uh, that race had no idea that Bob was going to bring Collected, and when they saw him, um, when the overnight came out and Collected's name was on there, um, their first thought was, oh, well, maybe I'm going to scratch. So, uh, and I think one of those is Aztec Sense. I don't think um, uh, Navarro wants to run Aztec Sense against Collected, and I, I'm not sure he's not the only one that will. So it'll be interesting to see how many total get to the gate, because I think Collected has just scared a bunch of them away. That's too bad. I really like the Aztec Sense. I mean, you want to talk about a horse for a course, five for five, and this horse has won its last six races. I was looking forward yes. to that. Well, anyhow, my producer's telling me we, I'm, I'm pretty much down and out. Are you uh, settling in on Collected, or you got a local hopeful you like? No, I, I'd have a hard time beating Collected, but I, I want to, if I have just one more second, I want people to watch the stretch run of the Kentucky Oaks. Uh, when you watch Wonder Gadot and Monomoy Girl together down the stretch, watch when they bump, because they bump at about the 16th pole, and at that point, Wonder Gadot loses. She switches to the wrong lead, and that's when Monomoy Girl gains the advantage and wins that race. You watch that on tape, and you'll see exactly what I'm talking about. All right, Keith, it's been a great time having you on, and uh, I love your announcing, and there's no way you would have stuck around this long if you weren't one of the best, and I look forward to having you back on the guest, and you and I will just swap announcer stories. I would enjoy that a great deal, John. Thank you. All right. Best of luck on Saturday. We've been talking with Keith Jones. I want to thank Ed Meyer for catching us up on some of his handicapping tips at uh, Belmont and Laurel Park. And I want to thank you for listening. I want to thank my producer, Josh, for keeping me in line. And I want to uh, remind you all when you go to the races so you can stay in the game, bet with your head, not over it. Thanks for listening to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. We know the information from today's show will help you at the next post. Keep listening for more next Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network.